This episode is sponsored by In the Key of Niragani by Natasha Dean. A Guyanese girl must find the balance between her parents' old world expectations and traditions while pursuing her dream of being a great trumpeter in this contemporary coming-of-age story. It's written by an own voices author who shares her character's Guyanese identity. Niragani has always dreamed of becoming a musician. Her Guyanese parents, however, have big plans for her to become a scientist or a doctor. Nira's grandmother and her best friend Emily are the only people who seem to truly understand her desire to establish an identity outside of the one imposed on Nira by her parents. When auditions for jazz band are announced, Nira realizes it's now or never to convince her parents that she deserves a chance to pursue her passion. As if fighting with her parents weren't bad enough, Nira finds herself navigating a new friendship dynamic when her crush Noah and notorious mean girl Mackenzie, Mac, take a sudden interest in her and Emily, inserting themselves into the fold. So too does Nira's much cooler and very competitive cousin, Farah. Is she trying to wiggle her way into the new group to get closer to Noah? Is Mackenzie trying to steal Emily's attention away from her? As Farah and Noah grow closer and Emily begins to pull away, Nira's trusted trumpet George remains her constant offering her an escape from family and school drama. But it isn't until Nira takes a step back that she realizes she's not the only one struggling to find her place in the world. As painful truths about her family are revealed, Nira learns to accept people for who they are and to open herself in ways she never thought possible. This is a relatable and timely contemporary coming-of-age story, and the key of Nira Ghani explores the social and cultural struggles of a teen in an immigrant household. Great for fans of When Dimple Met Rishi and other lighthearted YA books that focus on second-generation immigrants struggling against parental, cultural, and social expectations. Thanks again to In the Key of Niragani by Natasha Dean for sponsoring this episode. This is Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. In this episode, Elizabeth McCracken and Rincey Abraham talk about favorites that are hard to categorize. Elizabeth McCracken is the author of six books, including Here's Your Hat, What's Your Hurry, The Giant's House, Niagara Falls All Over Again, An Exact Replica of a Figment of My Imagination, and Thunderstruck and Other Stories. She's received grants and fellowships from the Guggenheim Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Liguria Study Center, the American Academy in Berlin, the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown, and the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study. Thunderstruck and Other Stories won the 2015 Story Prize. Her new novel, Bowl Away, follows three generations of an unconventional New England family who own and operate a candlepin bowling alley. And the book was selected as a recommended book of 2019 by Entertainment Weekly, The Huffington Post, BBC, and Book Riot, among others. My name is Elizabeth McCracken, and The Stone Diaries by Carol Shields is my recommended. The Stone Diaries... It's a little hard to describe. It is the story of one woman whose name is Daisy Stone Goodwill. Um, through her birth, that, that's how the book begins, and marriage and children all the way to her death. I found the book, well, kind of by accident. I was working as a public librarian in Somerville, Massachusetts, and I read a description of it in Publishers Weekly before it had come out. And the description was so interesting. I asked them to order it for the library and put myself first on the waiting list. There aren't that many books that I remember doing that for, so I read it with no knowledge of how it was going to be generally reviewed, which is a very exciting way to read a book. It's pretty much right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> it's literary 
fiction. I'm on Twitter a lot. And one of the reasons that I like that is because I can get a recommendation for a book to read in which I don't have that much information. I love to read books in a relative state of innocence, which was the thing that I liked about being uh, a public librarian is that books came across my desk or I glanced at pre-pub reviews and I could choose to read something not because it had been vetted, but just because it sounded interesting to me. And that's, that's my favorite way to read. I think I mostly read it with a reader brain, though I was writing at the time. I was uh, working in the circulation librarian, so I was working on The Giant's House, my first novel at the time. But my memory of reading the book is that it was so unlike anything I had ever read that I just gave myself over to it completely. The, the beginning of the book, which is in first person for a moment, it's narrated by the, the woman, Daisy Stone Goodwill, but it's a, and it's describing her own birth. And it's from the point of view of her mother, Mercy. And it describes the day of the narrator's birth and it's the day of her mother's death. And it's just very loving and odd and moving. And the first person narrator sort of disappears and just goes into the characters who are there. The plot line of it is really just time passing. And it's made up of sort of different kinds of substances. There's sort of ordinary third person. There are first person sections. There are letters. And one of my favorite parts of it is that in the middle of the book, there are old photographs. So it's a novel. So it gives us this sort of, I don't know, commonplace book feel or scrapbook feel. And one of the things that I particularly liked about it is that you could read the description of the characters and then look at the pictures and they wouldn't match up. And that lack of matching up was part of the pleasure of the book. It doesn't feel like a puzzle, but it definitely feels like a collage of some kind. The fact that it's made up of different pieces that speak to each other somehow is part of the pleasure of having read it. And it makes, which I imagine was part of Shields' aim, it, it makes what somebody else might call a small life or a quiet life, it makes it much bigger. It feels sort of kaleidoscopic in a, in a beautiful way. I actually reread it pretty recently because I had a student who I knew would love it. And I read it when she read it to, so that we could talk about it. And it was really wonderful. And I also realized the extent to which it had imprinted itself upon me, that there were things that I had forgotten about it, sort of in a, in a straightforward intellectual way that I still thought about details. And, and also that it's such a weirdly shaped book. Uh, and I'm, a, I'm fond of a weirdly shaped book. I, I mean, I think of Carol Shields as an influence in general. I, I love her work. But I, when I reread it, I, I thought, oh, yeah, my latest book, Bowl Away, I don't think I could have written it without having read this book. And having read it and sort of like absorbed it in the way that something that you can read decades ago drips down in, into you. The interest in writing from the beginning of the 20th century towards the end of the 20th century 
I think that felt like the biggest. Um, and also, Carol Shields's work is always really interested in the lives of women, deeply interested in the lives of women. I do recommend it to people, and I recommend it um, partly for people who are interested in writing novels with plots that are sort of accumulative, that aren't this thing happens that causes that to happen. And also people who are interested in playing with form but might not think of themselves as experimental writers. Because in some ways, it's an old-fashioned novel with with the pleasures of old-fashioned novels, the sort of sense of time passing and marriages and generations. And in another way, it is so strangely built that it really is unlike anything else I know. I really don't know how you would elevator pitch it at all. I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, even sort of think about, think it, it feels like a very, this may sound like an unbelievably pretentious thing to say, a very experiential book in that all of the things it's, it's built out of feel more important to me than what happens. What happens is not um, tremendously interesting. Or no, that's not fair to say. It is, it is interesting, but some of it is almost purposefully a little dull because she's trying to write about the whole sweep of a woman's life, and sometimes life is a bit dull. You can hear me struggling with how to summarize it, because summary is so often about plot, and this book feels very much like it's about form and method and time. It won the Pulitzer Prize in 1995 despite the fact that she is Canadian and not American, I guess, I think maybe she was living in both countries then. One of my other favorite writers, even though they're very different writers, is Jeanette Winterson. And I feel like, I'm thinking particularly of The Passion, which is my favorite book of hers, which is alternating narratives. But I feel like there's that intense interest in the lives of women. And they both feel like writers who write about difficult things, but with such life, there's something, there's something about the energy of both writers that seem related to me. Thanks again to Elizabeth McCracken for joining us and recommending The Stone Diaries by Carol Shield. Her novel, Bowlaway, published by Echo, is now available wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at Eliz McCracken. This episode is sponsored by Caterpillar Summer by Jillian McDunn. Since her father's death, Kat has taken care of her brother with special needs, helping out their hardworking mom. But on an unexpected island trip to visit grandparents they never knew, Kat has the chance to be a child again. This is a beautifully honest, emotionally resonant debut that's perfect for readers of Lauren Wolk, Ali Benjamin, and Rebecca Stead. Additionally, if you were a fan of The Thing About Jellyfish, Counting by the Sevens, or Beyond the Bright Sea, you'll want to check out Caterpillar Summer by Jillian McDunn. Thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Rincey Abraham is a contributing editor at Book Riot and appears weekly on the Book Riot YouTube channel. She also co-hosts the podcast Red or Dead, where she talks about the world of mysteries and thrillers, and runs her own YouTube channel, Rincey Reads, where she talks about books every week. My name is Rincy Abraham and Signal to Noise by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia is my recommended.
This is a fantasy book that takes place mainly in the 1980s, but it switches back and forth between 2009 and the 1980s. And you are following this teenager named Mercedes or Meche for short. She is around 16 years old. She's really unpopular in her high school. Um, She's obsessed with music and she has two best friends named Sebastian and Daniela. They're all basically in like the uncool crowd. And one day Meche realizes that she has magical abilities. And the way that she sort of harnesses her magic is using music. And specifically, she listens to vinyl records. And the three of them together realize that when the three of them are listening to records together, they're able to harness sort of more power and more energy together. And they start using their magic to help them out basically like socially. So they might want to make themselves look a little better, seem a little cooler. One of the conflicts is that like Sebastian wants one of the more popular girls to think he's attractive, things like that. And you can see sort of how the magic is impacting their relationships. Fast forward to 2009, Meche is working as like computer programmer in New York City, and she's flying back home after her father has passed away to attend his funeral. And as a reader, you find out that the three friends are no longer friends. And so the story is just following their friendship and relationship after they discover about this magic and sort of how it impacts them. And you're seeing sort of the aftermath of the choices that they made and whether or not their friendship would be able to sort of move forward. I'm pretty sure I heard about it somewhere in the book Riot world because I know for a fact, like the vast majority of the books that I get or hear about these days either come from Book Riot or they come from BookTube. And I know that I am basically the first person on BookTube to start talking about this book. So it had to have come from Book Riot because I can't imagine another place that it came from, but I don't like have a specific memory of like an exact person talking about it or anything like that. I remember because I just got it from the library and this is a book that's printed by a smaller press. So I didn't have like a lot of expectations going into it, but I just remember being so in love with it from the very beginning. Uh, One of the things that I just really enjoy about this book specifically is just the characters and how well written they are. They're all super complicated. They are very much teenagers. They make dumb choices sometimes. They are very selfish. They don't necessarily treat their friends well, which I feel like is very real for what teenagers are like. Um, And I just remember falling in love with these three characters, despite the fact that you could say that they're all like very unlikable characters, although I don't necessarily like that phrase, but I feel like they're all characters that you end up caring about. I really like Daniela. She's sort of like the side best friend, but just because she's a very girly girl sort of character, she's really into pop music. She really likes like celebrity gossip, things like that. And I can relate to that pretty hard. So I feel like that's like a character where I'm like, oh, she's just like so sweet and just like wants the best for her and her friends. And she sort of gets stuck in the middle of Meiji and Sebastian in this story. And so I feel like my heart just sort of like went out to her the most. I didn't go like back and find more books by Sylvia Marina Garcia, but like I've basically read almost everything she's written since then. So I love the way that she writes characters so much because I feel like she always makes these characters that are very real. Like they all are 
morally gray. They don't necessarily make the choices that you would make. But I think she also does a good job of providing their like sort of motivations and what their desires are and things like that. So you kind of understand why they're following the path that they're following, even though you don't necessarily like the path that they're following. My elevator pitch for it is basically high fidelity plus the magicians. I feel like that's a good hook for people because also I think it covers, well, it covers the music aspect, obviously, of it. Um, But then it also has like the magical elements to it. But also like the magicians have those kind of similar characters where you kind of hate them a little bit uh, sometimes, but you still also are kind of rooting for them. I'm a pretty wide reader. Like I read across a lot of genres. So there's very little that I don't read. So I feel like this one fits pretty easily into what I enjoy because I like young adult and I like fantasy and I love music. So I feel like this one was is pretty solidly in my wheelhouse. I feel like this book is still seriously so underrated. I don't think enough people are reading Sylvia Moreno Garcia or realize how good her writing is. And so it's it was one of those situations where if I I've been talking about this book since it came out and since I read it and I've like legitimately just like handed my copy to like multiple friends over the years just like please read this book and please like tell other people to read this book because I just love it so much and so I feel like I had to talk about it cuz I want more people to pick it up. Everyone I've given it to has loved it. I know a couple of people like online through BookTube who have read it and didn't love it quite as much as I did, which I'm, you know, there's always going to be some. But anytime I sort of like almost hand sell it to a person, like if I'm giving it to a very specific person, they have always loved it. One of my friends like gave it back to me and she's like, are there more books in this? Is it a series? And I'm like, unfortunately, no. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I would buy all of them. I feel like it's hard because like part of what I really like about it is the fact that it are the characters. And so I feel like the books that I would comp to being similar to this are more contemporary, like contemporary young adult, because I feel like this book balances the realism and it just feels like there are these magical elements that just happen to be a part of it. It's more about like the relationships and the friendship. So I feel like if you like contemporary young adult, you would actually really like this one. But I can't think of a specific book that necessarily matches really well or scratches the same itch. I would recommend this to someone who enjoys books with good relationships or complicated relationships and complicated characters, because I feel like this is a more character-focused story than a plot-focused story, although there is plenty of plot that moves the story along. And anyone who enjoys young adult, contemporary young adult, I feel like this is also a really good way if you want to get into fantasy to sort of dip your toes into it without going like full-blown fantasy. The fact that it takes place in Mexico City is like such a unique aspect of it as well. If you are the type of person who likes books set in a place and to feel that, then I feel like this would also be a really good book for that. Thanks again to Rincey Abraham for joining us and recommending Signal to Noise by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. You can find her on YouTube at Rincey Reads or on Twitter at Rincey A. That's R-I-N-C-E-Y-A. Thanks again to our sponsors for making today's episode possible. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback and it helps other folks to find the show. You can find show notes at bookriot.com slash recommended, and you can email us at recommended at bookriot.com. <laughs>